Warning, this podcast will challenge your thinking. Welcome to Business Problems Solved. In this podcast, we help you solve your business problems by providing real examples and practical approaches to make today better than yesterday. Introducing your host, the multi-sector, self-professed, most improved improvement person and qualified business problem solver. Lee Horton. Hey, it's Lee. Today we have great pleasure of chatting with Victoria Hamilton. Myself and Victoria have not been connected for very long, but when we did um, connect, probably about a month ago now, we actually connected. It's a, that's a bizarre thing to say. What do I mean? So I've got 12,000 connections on LinkedIn, but I don't know them very well. But within a really short period of time, I got to understand and know Victoria far better than I have the majority of my connections. Because we were a little bit vulnerable, we shared stuff, and and we just we spent time to get to know each other. That's what this conversation is all about: the power of connection. So whether it's a LinkedIn connection, whether it's somebody you meet in the street, whether it's somebody you meet at a meeting, how much how or how powerful is it to actually spend time to get to know them a little bit better? You never know what might happen. This podcast is a direct result of that very first connection that I had with Victoria. Hope you enjoy it. Hey, it's Lee. Welcome to Business Problem Solved. Today, I have the great pleasure of chatting with Victoria Hamilton, Director of Orange Falcon Consulting. How are you, Victoria? I'm really good. Thanks, Lee. How are you today? Yeah, really, really good. I'm, I'm really excited to uh, to chat with you, actually, because we've, we've not been connected for, for overly long. Um, but when we connected, we connected, if that makes any sense. Yeah, we really did, didn't we? We yeah. kind of won one path led to another and before we knew who we were we'd covered all sorts of different topics completely yeah completely and it's it's probably one of the most powerful first conversations that i've ever had and then a few a few weeks later we are we're now on a recorded zoom call i know how exciting how exciting indeed but for those people that don't know who victoria hamilton is who, who is she and i wish she got to sit in that seat today so who am i so yeah victoria i have actually just started my own business orange falcon consulting um, I found myself in a bit of a space, as I guess many of us did during lockdown, with some time in my hands, just really thinking on what did I want to do with this time and what sort of future did I want to create, having taken redundancy from my previous employer at the end of last year. And I've had so much experience across so many different organisations, John Lewis, HSBC, Accenture, GE. I've covered so many different industries and sectors that I really feel now is the time for me to take that chance and look at how I can export all that knowledge and experience and the customer experience and people experience space and really see how I can add value to different organisations. I think it's such a time of unparalleled change just now. And I think the businesses that are really leaning into what to do by their customers and what to do by their people will be the companies that flourish. So, yeah, really excited to see where it goes. Um, I've been really active on LinkedIn over the last couple of months, I think, Um up until June, I was what you would call a LinkedIn lurker. You know, I was yeah. very much in the background, didn't uh, comment or contribute or share any of my own content. And that really changed when I realized how much of an opportunity I was missing out on. And I think that was probably one of the triggers for us yeah. being connected and uh, recommended to each other from a mutual contact. Um, I've done two podcasts and a webinar this week, and it's amazing just the different opportunities it's led to. So really excited to see where today's conversation takes us. Yeah, me too. Me too. So, I mean, that's quite a rapid journey or quite a, a varied journey of, of the last few months. So a few things I want to say. Firstly, congratulations on Orange Falcon Consulting. 
That's, that's exciting. Um, but then what you spoke about was people experience and customer experience. Mm-hmm. Why both of those two things? Well, both of them are subjects and areas I'm really passionate about. And I really don't think you can have one without the other. I think, you know, we know the, the adage, happy people equals happy customers. But I think it works the other way, that happy customers equal happy people. Yeah. Um, and I see a lot of businesses and, and professionals playing in one space or the other. Um, so you get some very technical people focused on customer experience and the customer journey mapping, etc. And you get other people who are very focused on the culture, the values, behaviours, the, the softer stuff that you can't really see but it's the stuff that really, you know, shapes how things get done in an organisation. But for me, the sweet spot is when they both really come together. I've led large operational teams with um, over 2,000 people, but I've also been responsible for people engagement and people experience across large teams. And I very much have seen that connection that when you focus on one fully and focus on the other fully and see the interplay and interconnection between the two, I think that's when the, the magic happens. So, um, that's what I'm really excited to explore and see how I can help businesses focus on each of those areas, not in isolation, but really bringing them together. Yeah, and I love I love that because that's a, that's another place where we're we're definitely connected. I, I always remember that uh, I, I used to be the head of customer experience at Hermes, the parcel place, and and I was doing some work in the, with the contact centre and the, the field people. And so many times you would you'd hear a conversation with somebody in the contact centre phoning a courier and maybe not being as as um, as friendly and as engaging as they could be and then yeah and then we all expected that courier to go out and deliver a parcel in yeah. the in the most friendly way but the contact that they had was not necessarily the uh, the, the most uh, engaging so the, yeah. i definitely think there's so many links between happy people happy customers yeah where, where do you start oh i know that's a, that's a million dollar question isn't it for me it really all starts with the culture that you create and the culture that your people operate and, and live in every day they're at work. Um, I think the pandemic obviously has been a massive change and a massive catalyst for change for so many individuals and businesses. And I think um, it's shone a light on the need for um, people to be so um, empathetic and really dial up their EQ in terms of interactions with customers if you really want your people to do that with their customers, they have to be exposed to that themselves in terms of their interactions with their peers, their colleagues, um, their leaders, etc. So you can't expect people to display behaviours if they're not actually being exposed to that day in, yes. day out. So for me, the culture um, and the behaviours, the values of an organisation, that's really what is going to shape and determine the, the impact and success of your focus on your customer experience. It all starts with people for me. Yes, yes. Yeah, so yeah, I love that all starts with people. But what's your, when you say culture, I think I find that, that different people have different definitions of what culture is and what it means to them. But what does it mean yeah. to you, Victoria Hamilton? What does it mean to me? Well, one of the sayings I love is culture um, is what happens when people don't think anyone's watching. Um, yeah. And that really sums it up for me it's just you know really taps into the values of individuals that they're not just doing something or behaving in a certain way because it looks good but it's actually just inherently uh built into them that that's how you deal with individuals how you treat people with respect etc so i think that sense of it just being your natural way of, of operating i think is something that really plays with culture but 
it's that unknown entity, isn't it? It's that golden thread, I think, that just weaves itself through an organisation, regardless of function you're in, whatever role you're doing. Um, culture should be that constant that um, exists across the organisation that helps shape the way in which you interact with your peers and your colleagues, but also helps shape the way in which you're interacting with your customers and your suppliers. Yes, yeah, I love I love that phrase, where it's, uh, it's what people do when nobody's watching. But how can you find out what people do when nobody's watching? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a really, well, I think there's a big piece of just um, watching, watching people. I think particularly when you go into a new organisation, um, and I've been really lucky to move across different organisations and different sectors. So I've really seen the good, the bad and the ugly of both people and customer experience. And certainly in any role I would undertake, um, I spend a big chunk of my time in the early stages just really observing, even when people don't think I am watching, just yeah. really quite curious to see, well, how do people approach the basic things like punctuality, turning up in time for meetings here? Um, how do meetings actually happen in this organisation? You know, how structured are they? How inclusive are they? How able are people to contribute with a quite a differing view and perspective are people talked down or is that diversity of opinion and mindset valued and encouraged so there's a big piece of just really really watching um watching different people in different places at different times and just really seeing how how, how does it work around here how do things yeah. get done and then speaking to people as well you know you don't have to be um covert about it i think being quite overt about um asking people what's it like to work here what do you love about it what would you like to see people do more of but also what frustrates you and what gets in the way and if you could change one thing about this culture what would it be and I think creating that dynamic where people feel comfortable to speak up about what's going well but also what can be frustrating and difficult for them yeah so you've used the word comfort there and, and in terms of making them comfortable to be able to to give you the truth and and you, you're quite a personable, you're a very personable individual, friendly, and, and I can imagine build rapport really, really quickly. So you can yeah. you make you make feel people feel at comfort and at ease. But yeah. for some for somebody that's not as personable as yourself, how how would they go about um enabling that level of comfort or that level of, of trust or whatever it is? Because you want people to be honest, you want people to 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 flag up the issues, the opportunities. But without being chastised for doing so. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I yeah, it's really, that. it's a really, really interesting one. I mean, there's the usual employee surveys and everything you can do. I'm, I'm I think they have a place. I'm not a huge fan of them because I think sometimes it's easy for people to almost hide behind something they would type out in their computer or whatever. Yeah. And actually, that for me, that goes against you know the real grain of the sort of culture that you want. Um, I mean, I've tried different approaches. Whether it's one on one, just let's go for a coffee and a chat. Um, doing exchange sessions with groups of people um, where perhaps they feel there's safety in numbers or maybe with their peers or maybe with some of their teammates and colleagues um, that whilst they might not themselves speak up, you can view their body language and reaction when some points are maybe been made by other more vocal members of the team. And you can see actually someone's made quite a contentious point here, but actually I can see lots of head nodding in the room that whilst it's only maybe been one brave soul that's put their hand up to make the point, actually yeah. a lot of support um for that um and i think yeah you, you can you can create different channels of communication and engagement but my personal preference would always just be to speak with people and meet with people whether that be one-on-one -on -one in small groups or larger groups but 
have that opportunity for that two-way dialogue that you know people can make a point, share an observation or reflection, and you've got a chance to respond to that and ask for clarification or just really probe a bit further to aid your understanding. What yeah. about you? What, what's your sort of oh. tried and tested techniques? Yeah, so a really good question actually because uh, so typically, I just I I ask the questions. I don't I don't normally get any questions back. So so, <laughs> so, so thank no so thank you. Um, so yeah so so for me um, and we we spoke before before we hit the record button. I am fully aligned with this people and and customer alignment, and it drives each other. We've got again knowledge. We've got this best model that states leadership behaviors drive employee engagement, which drives customer satisfaction, which enables you to achieve or miss your business targets. That's BEST. Um, so I think it starts with the leadership behavior, and what you've articulated is is about the leader getting out there, building connection with the people. Yeah. Um, and I think if if a leader can understand themselves. Before they start to understand others, then that that's the start. Change starts with each person and each mm-hmm. indi- individual. Um, and I was talking to somebody earlier today, and, and I said I used an analogy. I like, got well, we were talking about fear and confidence, and I said, well, some people are really confident jumping out of a plane at fifteen thousand feet, and that same person might not be really confident stood in front of their team at work. So it's about how can you make everybody feel comfortable, but it starts with you and you overcome yeah. your level of it's that whole notion, I think, of the buzzwords now, psychological safety, that if I speak out, I'm not going to be penalised and I'm not going to be chastised. Now, obviously, still professional standards and styles of communication that you would you would encourage in the workplace, but ultimately, you're looking for people that actually put their head above the parapet and they're comfortable to speak out and share maybe some uncomfortable truths because... I always try and take the approach, if I don't know about it, I can't do anything about it. So if this is something that matters to you and you really would appreciate my help and input to help improve the situation, I need to know about it. So um, I always just encourage that that open dialogue. I remember in one of my previous places of employment, in my first couple of weeks holding what was called exchange sessions, um, this is almost just like skip level lunches, skip level coffee catch ups. It was a group of about 20 people, mixture of contact centre agents and team managers. Now, most people in that room had only ever worked for this particular organisation. Some people had tenure of over 15 years. So there was clearly something keeping them there. Um, and that was what I was keen to understand. So everyone around the table shared their name, what role they did, and told me how long they'd been with the business for. And there was something crazy like, 300 plus years of experience around the table so I thought right there's no question that anyone can have that the answer to isn't that around this table so let's tap into that experience and I said but first of all tell me what's kept you here you know I also like to not come at things from just a problem perspective but have that appreciative inquiry mindset what's going well what can we do more of and I just got a sea of blank faces and I probed and tried to encourage some contribution and eventually some brave soul spoke up and said well the free car park is good. <laughs> <laughs> At which point, a little bit of me, I think, just died inside. I thought, really, you would hang about in a row with an employer for 15 years because you get free car parking. And I said, there's got to be more to it than that. And, you know, that sort of was able to trigger a bit more meaningful conversation. But I think that comment in itself showed me that there was actually a fear and yeah. a reticence from people to actually speak up, even about something good. Um, they were a bit nervous about sharing. So... That was a big um, sort of cultural challenge, stroke opportunity to really overcome and really help 
bolster an environment where people felt safe and there's that sense of psychological safety to speak up and, and contribute. Yeah, and I think one of the one of the main things behind um, creating that environment of psychological safety is is trust. So mm-hmm. are you are you an advocate of extending trust straight from the off, or is trust earned? How, yeah, how- that's a really a really interesting question. I I think I've changed as I've um, matured in life. I probably when I was younger, more the sense of um, trust has to be earned. Um, but I think as I've been in more senior positions and had responsibility for larger teams, I've probably become a parent in other life events that, that shape you. I'm much more of the mindset now that um, trust is given and I will extend trust and like to create and um, set new relationships based on just that tacit understanding that I trust you until until there's perhaps reason not to, but I yeah. will give my trust um, really freely. Um, at yeah. the beginning. Yeah, I think that's that's so important. I heard a quote the, the other week that said too many leaders hold on to grip the steering wheel too 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 tightly when they need to just hold on to it loosely. And it's yeah. that from gripping on tightly to holding on loosely is is the trust argument. And yeah, um, yeah so I, I think it's it is an interesting topic is trust because people speak about trust a lot and we need we all need to trust each other more and we need to do it, but it's it's so much uh, more difficult to create that environment where everybody feels trust or, yeah. or trusted because it's, it's an individual thing as well, isn't it? Um, trust and people have a different definition for it, what it means to them. And, um, so yeah, and I think that is so important to recognise um, people come to whatever situation you're in with people, people have all had a different path and a different route to get there. So, you know, we say that our past shapes our present and shapes our future. So we don't know at the beginning of a new relationship what previous experiences, disappointments, etc., people might have had on their journey to that point there with you. Um, so I think that ability to try and walk a mile in the other person's shoes and that ability to empathize is so important um, in all relationships, both from a people experience perspective but that's something that's been talked about so much as well just now in the customer experience space and um, particularly given these increasingly volatile challenging uncertain times we live in that there's got to be that wider recognition that people might have been through some difficult times to get to this point so try and take the time to understand that person's viewpoint and that person's perspective to build that empathy and to build that trust and to build that onwards relationship. Yeah, I love that. And we, we spoke a lot about the people experience element of what is you do and how you would go about it. And you just touched on the, the other elements that, that you focus on, customer experience. Mm-hmm. What is what is customer experience to you? I think for me, um, it all starts with understanding what's important to your customers. Um, I started my career with, with GE, General Electric, and um, I was exposed to the whole concept and mindset of Six Sigma, which is all about designing products products and processes with your customer at the heart, understanding your voice of the customer, your critical to quality. So I very much had that ingrained in me from the start of my career. And it's been a mindset that I've really just quite naturally carried with me through different roles and different organizations I've worked with. So I think just it really starts with those basics. What matters to your customer should matter to you. Um, And I think that's, again, so topical just now because I think there's a real challenge stroke opportunity depending on your mindset for businesses to really press the kind of control alt delete reset button um because we've all been through such a wholesale um period of change over these last few months and i think from a business perspective to 
assume that what matters and is important and is valued by your customers now is the same as what mattered and was important to them in the pre-COVID days. So I think that chance to really relearn, reset, recalibrate and re-listen and re-understand is so important for businesses just now. Um, and then how do you translate that voice of the customer into your wider business? So it's not just seen as a responsibility for your frontline teams and your stores or in your contact centres, but it's actually a, an ethos and an understanding that is something that's owned by the entire business and every function will obviously have different roles to play in terms of bringing those customer requirements and expectations to life but um, I think the most dangerous things business could do just now is just to assume that things are as they were a few months yeah. ago um, that, that would be I think really dangerous and foolhardy in, in my opinion. No completely agree I, I would you if somebody or a team are so far removed from the actual customer how, how can you get them to be engaged in in delivering their part for the customer? It's like the old, uh, the, the NASA thing, isn't it? The person sweeping, yeah. uh, put, yeah. I'm hoping putting a man in the mood. But how do, how do you achieve that? Yeah, I think, again, really, really interesting question. And I think um, these last few months, for me, I think have been really interesting to see how the role of the contact centre has actually evolved um, in terms of where agents work, how they work, new digital tools, et cetera. But, also, I think the increasingly strategic role that contact centres are playing in wider businesses. I think for I actually wrote a thing on LinkedIn about this fairly recently that got a lot of engagement. I've, I've obviously touched on a raw nerve with people that um, I think for too long contact centres have almost been seen like the the dumping ground, the underdog, the poor relation in a business. Yeah. But at a time when most other frontline functions in an organisation have had to literally shut up shop, furlough their staff. Contact centre teams have been able to, you know, incredibly rapidly mobilise remote working, mobilise their teams working from home. So they've actually become that conduit for the wider business to really understand customer experience. I'm definitely hearing a lot of feedback from different organisations, different sectors, that there's much closer collaboration with contact centre teams now than perhaps ever before, because it's recognised that they are the front line. Yeah. Um, and I hope that's not just a short term way of working I hope that is a more fundamental change that stays um, looking into the future that is recognized that if you really want to understand what your customers are experiencing spend some time with your contact center team spend some time um, with your frontline people to really see the customer experience in action but also I think increasingly one of the core roles of a contact center customer service leader has to be that playback and that amplification of the voice of the customer back to the wider business. Um, certainly in, in the contact centre world, very few customers will phone or email or engage in other digital channels to say, oh, that product that I ordered to be delivered on this date, that happened, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> They're phoning or contacting you because it's failure demand to say something didn't happen or the wrong products arrived. Um, and that's not the fault of the contact centre team. That's been a disconnect elsewhere, further up the further upstream in the business processes and the part of the business responsible for that failure has to know that that's happened so that some you know fixes can be put in place to stop future recurrence and prevent future customer dissatisfaction so it's all about having those relationships with key stakeholders between the contact center teams the frontline teams and the wider business in terms of marketing product teams etc and also frontline operational leaders 
speaking up and amplifying that voice that their people are exposed to day in, day out, and really shouting about what's important to the customers. Because if it's important to customers, it should be important to the business. Yeah, completely agree. So if you could use your experience um, and also the conversations that you've had during this this uh, this COVID period to give people one, or if you had one wish that everybody would know as we're transitioning into a um, in, into whatever world we're about to transition into, one piece of advice to do so, what would that one piece of advice be? Oh, gosh, that's a tough question. Um, yeah, I it's, think just, the it's theme... just popped into my head, that question. So apologies. <laughs> <laughs> I think the theme that's really coming out for me um, is this theme of connection. Um, so whether that's connection between leaders and their teams, between frontline um, employees and customers, I think the power of connection and the power of relationship is markedly more important now than perhaps ever before. We've heard a lot about uh, the rate of acceleration of digital adoption. I think is it, it's accelerated at the rate of 10 years in eight weeks. And we've yeah. got customers across all se- sectors, all age groups now habitually interacting in a digital way. But what that's done is create capacity Um, in operational teams to deal with the more complex interactions, queries, issues, which require that human interaction support. So the role of um, frontline teams being able to really connect with the customers to help them with those more complex issues and the role of team team leaders, managers, et cetera, being able to really connect with their people, particularly when they're so dispersed and working in a new remote way, um, I think is very pronounced just now. So connections and relationship be it with customers be it with people i think are more important now than ever before yeah i love i love that i love that I was on a podcast a couple of weeks ago i said that i'd mentioned that i'd been on a stand-up comedy course and they said that there's three things um that are really important to to stand-up comics uh and, and in this order it's connection then it's performance and then it's material so they said the most important thing for a comic is connection with the audience the most mm-hmm. important thing for for us is um, has changed people is connection with with who, mm-hmm. who it is and those people connect with the reasons why um, they, need, they need to change so so no, I fully, fully resonate with that fully resonate with that you I think um, I think whatever business it's funny I've been having quite a bit of discussion with people about the ability to move across sector if you don't have specific industry experience and that's something I really enjoyed doing through my career I love the variety and challenge of a new industry sector and I'm not I'm not scared by not having the industry knowledge because that's where you're able to rely on your team and your peers that have that knowledge. But at the end of the day, whatever sector, whatever business, it's all about your people. It's all about your customers and it's about your process. And that theme of connection and relationship, I think, is just so pertinent and relevant to any industry and any organization. But I think particularly so just now. Yeah, no, I love that. So if we talk about connection, um, a few months ago, a few minutes ago you mentioned that you used to be a linkedin lurker and yeah. but what i have seen happen now is is you're becoming a linkedin legend the engagement <laughs> oh i'm still an lil i've gone yeah. from lurker to legend lurker, lurker to legend that's been your journey on linkedin that's a new post in itself there. Yeah. <laughs> but so how, how have you managed to get that that level of engagement if you used to be a lurker yeah um, do you know i i have done a full like 180 pivot to use the words of the moment um, in terms of my perception of LinkedIn and consequently my participation and engagement on the platform. I mean, I 
I joined LinkedIn, it must be like 10 years or so ago. And I remember being really flattered getting my first LinkedIn invite that you're a valued member of my network. And I thought, yeah. oh, wow, that's really great. Not knowing that that was just the sort of standard invite that went to everyone. But, you know, I probably had a network of about four or 500 people um, around May time this year. Um, and I was always someone who was a bit dubious about people who would ask to connect with me if we didn't know each other. Like, why, why would you want to do that? And then I went on, um, I went on a webinar, um, Andrew McCaskill, a great guy that I've connected, a career, a career coach, connected with him on, on LinkedIn. And he r- ran a session which talked about the power of LinkedIn and its access to so many people and so many geographies and so many lines of work um, and how you really had to be in it to win it. So if business is about connections and relationships, why would you not use that platform um, to build as many new connections and relationships as possible? And I guess you could say I had a bit of an aha penny drop moment and just started engaging with people's content. I'd always been really nervous about putting my name to anything on LinkedIn. I think partly because, you know, we do live in quite a judgy society these days. It's very PC as well. That I was a bit scared of um, almost saying the wrong thing and inadvertently causing offence to people. Um, so I just thought it's safer to lurk in the background and not actually have a presence or a brand that anyone can connect with. And then I just realized I, I was missing out on a great opportunity. So I started engaging in um, other people's content, commenting, liking. And then I took the plunge and um, wrote my first article. I think I got about 40 likes and some really encouraging comments. Um, and then I started experimenting with more of the, the, short, um, the short text posts that you can do. And I think my third post is now um, over 50,000 views, um, 500 likes. I seem to get a really high like to comment ratio that people like the content, but they also want to engage and participate on it. And it's just been such fun. I think at a time when we've been in lockdown, talked about the importance of relationship and connection. There's a, a risk that it could have felt quite disconnected from people in the professional world. And I actually feel more engaged, more energized, more connected in a professional sense and I have done in a number of years and it's all to do with that mindset shift of the role that, that LinkedIn could play. I mean our paths wouldn't have crossed had it not been for a mutual connection who um, I met on LinkedIn who said to me oh you, you should catch up with Lee he'd be a great guy to speak with and you know who would ever have predicted that a few weeks later we'd be doing um, this together. Yes yeah no completely that's what's come across really strongly in, in the half hour that we've spoken now is is the power of connection, whether it's con- mm-hmm. connecting to your people uh, in the workplace, whether it's connecting to your customers, or whether it's personally connecting on socially, um, on social media and stuff. Why, why is connection so important to you? Is it because of the benefits of it, or is, is, there, is there another reason for it for you? But why is it so important to me? Yeah. Uh, I get, I'm always, I'm someone who's naturally in, enjoyed building relationships, meeting new people. Um, I've always been quite curious about what makes people tick, what their story is. Um, so it's probably something that I don't know. Is it, is it um, nature or nurture? Is that just the way I am? Or is it that I've been in environments where the power of relationships and the power of connection has been encouraged? It's probably a combination of the two. Yeah. Um, I think like everyone or like many people through the whole sort of lockdown experience of 2020, you know, that starved us of some of our most basic liberties, I think. You know, who would ever have thought at the start of this year 
that one of the most dangerous things you could do would be to hug like yeah. an elderly relative. Who would ever have thought that would have been seen as something that you view with suspicion and fear? And that that's like really had quite a profound effect on me. My my mum lives alone. We lost my dad just under two years ago, and I've just like craved that need to see her and give her a hug and just have that physical connection. And not having that showed me just how how important that is in life. So it's possibly that sense of having someone something taken from you and be like forbidden fruit makes you really want to lean into that and find different ways to create the connection and relationship and rapport in your life when the standard routes have been kind of out of bounds this year. I think yeah. that's had a real, what's well, had a profound effect on me. I think I've had a, a similar effect on a lot of people. Yeah, no, definitely. So powerful. So that, that message is so powerful. You, you, What you did say, actually, uh, and another question randomly popped into my head. You used the word fruit and um, and starving in, in, in your answer then, which leads me to the next question. What are you having for your tea? <laughs> well, do you know, um, had you asked me this about eight months ago, you'd have got something really, really basic. Like I, I, I don't really have much patience in the kitchen, so it would have probably been like, I don't know, pasta bolognese or something. But yeah. um, for the last few months, we've been doing HelloFresh as a family. I don't know if you've used yeah. it, but you know they send you the the bags and the ingredients and you create fresh meals um every night um so tonight what are we having we are having a butternut squash curry tonight very good option i'm not vegetarian but try trying new things but hello fresh has been one of those brands that is really um a bit of a lifesaver through lockdown you don't have to go shopping you're not, you know, running the risk of not socially distancing. It's keeping your waist down. It's managing your spend. You're ticking the box of healthy meals for you and your family. So that's become a brand that I've become really, really attached to through this experience. And um, yeah, consequently, I'm able to give a much more exciting answer for my dinner tonight yeah. than I would have been. <laughs> wow. Hello Fresh. Well, are you sponsored by Hello Fresh? <laughs> I'm not, but if they want to reach out to me, they can get me on LinkedIn. <laughs> well, but I think I think that shows the power of connection, doesn't it? There was a problem uh, or a, a challenge, an opportunity, and then you've resonated with that because they've they've come to the need of of, of the customer. They're in, yeah, in that absolutely. Situation. Yeah, yeah. I, I think um, I think their business model I find I find really interesting because it it ticks for for busy working families. I think it ticks so many so many boxes. Um, not just the healthy eating of you and your family, but perhaps some of the wider you know, social environmental considerations of amount of food waste, etc., that we're, we're many of us are guilty of. So, yeah, that's uh, that's been a brand that we will stay close to. But um, yeah, has you know given us a chance to do a lot more exciting cooking than we definitely would have done had we been left to our own devices. Yeah, no, really good, really good. So, just in in terms of connection, if people wanted to connect with you and find out more about you, where would they go? How would they do it? Yeah, LinkedIn's probably the best source to to find me on. So Victoria Hamilton on LinkedIn. I think if you also search in customer transformation, I'll come up on LinkedIn as well as one of the first options. Um, and as I say, you know, I, my whole outlook and pers- perspective on LinkedIn has really changed, and I'm really grateful for new connections and new people to meet with and share experience and ideas. I think I'm. I've grown by seven or eight hundred people in the last few months, which which is just crazy. And you know, I've had one-on-one interactions with a lot of those people as well. So it's not just a case of growing the numbers, but it's actually deepening the deepening the relationships as well. 
Yeah, and I think that's that, that's really exciting, isn't it? So it's not just a connection in, in terms of a number. It's an mm-hmm. actual connection that you're building. Actual connection. Yeah, absolutely. Um, understanding people's background and experience. A, a lot of the time going on to Zoom calls with no real agenda other than just curiosity. Um, what's this yeah. person's story? What's their background? And it's amazing the different conversation routes that that opens up when you actually go on with no preconceived notion or agenda to cover. It's just... As I say, curiosity is the, the key driver. Yeah, completely. I guess that, that's similar to how I run this podcast, actually. Um, anyway, um, on um, I just want to say thank you very much for your time today. It's been an absolute pleasure to chat with you and to, to understand a little bit more about Victoria Hamilton. Um, and good luck and congratulations again in Orange Falcon Consulting. Um, if people want to connect with you, it is uh, Victoria Hamilton on LinkedIn. And that's that's the best place, isn't it? That's the best place. And thank you for me too. You know, it's been, you're one of the connections that we, we just really clicked, I think, from the moment yes. we started speaking. So I was like really excited when you suggested doing this together, um, not really knowing, as I say, what route or direction it would go in. But it's been um, a really good question, but you put me in the hot seat a few times. <laughs> Some yeah. of the questions. Yeah. Hopefully I've answered them all okay. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, perfect. It's been an, it's been an absolute joy to uh, to chat with you, and and I look forward to doing something maybe maybe a webinar with you next. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, there you go. You, I, you I, say when I'm in. Perfect. <laughs> I, I kept it recording whilst I could get that answer as well. <laughs> so, <laughs> so so we're in we're in. No, it's been honestly, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks very much again for your time and and good luck with everything that you've got going on. Thanks again, Lee. You too. Thanks for listening to Business Problems Solved. You can contact Lee on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lee Horton, the business problem solver, or via visiting www.leehorton.com for more content and to solve your business problems. And remember, saying you know how to do it is not doing it.